You're listening to Radio MD. She's a chiropractic physician, lecturer, author, entrepreneur, and talk show host. She's Dr. Suzanne Bennett. It's time now for Wellness for Life Radio. Here's Dr. Suzanne. Migraine headaches affect about 12% of American adults and three times more in women than men. But did you know that all migraines are not created equal and often they're misdiagnosed? Just because a medication can help a migraine doesn't mean it's actually a migraine. And if you believe that what you have may not be a migraine, then you definitely might be right about that. And our next guest is here to ask you to dig deeper into the root cause of your symptoms. We have Dr. Adam Harcourt, the founder of Imagine X Functional Neurology and creator of the 150-hour postdoctorate fellowship program for physicians and the book called Mastering Migraine. Thanks so much for being here on Wellness for Life, Dr. Harcourt. Thanks so much for having me, Suzanne. You bet. You bet. What got you interested in migraines and, and of course, functional neurology? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, functional neurology, actually, uh, I got into it because my uh, dad, my grandpa, and my great-grandpa were all chiropractors. And so I thought, well, I don't want to do that. Everybody does that. And um, it ended up that I did want to do that, but with a little bit of a twist. And so when I first found functional neurology, I said, hey, that's, that's for me because uh, what they allow us to do is use many different modalities in order to to treat different conditions, including things like chiropractic, vestibular rehab, uh, neuro-ophthalmology, things like that. And so the reason we got into migraine is we were finding that the most consistent conditions that we were seeing coming in that were kind of bouncing around, kind of hopeless, didn't have anywhere to go, were chronic migraine patients, uh, people with post-concussion syndrome, and those that had types of dizziness, vertigo, um, that weren't simple to diagnose. And we said, wow, there's something here. And we started diving into the neurological underpinnings of it. And we started seeing commonalities, things that weren't really being talked about. And that's where we started years and years ago. And from there, we've uh, you know, obviously gone and gotten into hormonal and nutritional and musculoskeletal treatments. But originally, it just we just saw a need and realized these people just aren't getting the help that they need. And so that's where we started. Wow. You just told me something that's amazing. Fourth generations as chiropractors, <laughs> yep. which then yep. that tells me that your great grandfather, right, uh, yep. is was the one of the original chiropractors in this, this yeah, country. He got his, yep. He got his license in 1923 and uh, he actually got into the field because he was helped in during the 1918 flu epidemic where, you know, the chiropractors were helping with um, you know, improving outcomes of people that had the flu. And he's like, huh, that sounds fun. I'm going to do that. And uh, yeah, my family's been practicing ever since. Oh my God. I love it. I'm actually fifth generation Korean. Well, not chiropractic, but Korean medical. Okay. When it comes to Korean herbal medicine, I'm from Korea. And in my mother's okay. lineage, I'm the fifth generation. So I really appreciate wow. when you have that kind of energy. You know, I didn't find out that I was actually one of the uh, the fifth generation until I was 50. <laughs> My mother ends up telling me that. And you know how you just got a feeling of like, gosh, you know what? It feels right. And it sounds to me that's what you did. Yep. yep. That's, Good for that's you. kind of how we got here. <laughs> Good for you. So let's go ahead and just get into the little basics of migraine. What is it? What causes it? And if you can just give us some some foundational information about it so we can dig deeper into the treatment. Sure. And that's actually the most important part about uh, the information getting out there is understanding migraine. In the program that I teach to other doctors, the first weekend, we spend 25 hours just talking about what is migraine. So obviously, we'll, we'll give you just a, a snippet of what's going on. 
But the the basic understanding is that migraine is different from any other head pain disorder. Uh, it's genetically mediated, which means you're either able to get migraine or you're not. Right? It's not an acquired condition. Um, and so what you'll find is that if you have that genetic predisposition, what it does is it allows certain parts of your brain to fatigue or fail. And when they fatigue or fail, you get symptoms. So most people have these dysfunctional areas in the part of the brain that inhibits head and face pain. And when those areas fail or fatigue, you get head and face pain. Now, this can also happen in the areas that control dizziness. So you can have vestibular migraine. It can happen in the occipital lobe. So you can have occipital or, or ocular migraine. But it's the same type of pathology. And so the way that I kind of describe it is if you imagine the part of the brain that leads to migraine as like a little bucket, when that bucket fills up with all the different stressors, whether it's nutritional or hormonal or musculoskeletal or emotional, and that bucket fills up and overflows, that's when you have a migraine. So a lot of times people will misattribute, say, a bright light or a food as a cause of their migraine. What it's actually doing is it's raising your probability of having migraine, not causing it. And so this is why a lot of the patients that we see, you know, have been told by 15 different people, you got to do this diet, you got to see this chiropractor, you got to do this acupuncture. And those can be all great therapies. But if there's too many other things filling up your bucket, you don't see the results that you're expecting and you might think it's not a helpful treatment. So that's where we, we start um, when we, you know, work with these migraine patients because I can tell you they get really frustrated because they've, you know, seen 50 different people. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I mean, as you say there, so gosh, we've got different kinds of migraines and with those different kinds of migraines, there could be different root causes. But what if, if you address each layer of, of each one, lifestyle, sleep, light therapy, whatever it is, then you're going to be able to have much better results at the, on the back end. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. And so for a lot of people, imagine that, you know, say they have a really strong, you know, say allergy or sensitivity to, you know, dairy or gluten or some type of uh, nutritional stressor. And that's the main thing filling up their bucket. Well, they might try a diet and it looks like a miracle cure, right? Well, the reality is they still have migraine, but they might only get it every decade or so because it takes a whole lot to fill up their bucket. Whereas most of the people that we see, their bucket is basically filled up by many different things. And so they may have tried a diet or chiropractic or acupuncture, and those are all great things, but you have to do them not only at the same time, but also direct the therapies and the exercises and treatments at the part of the brain that's actually dysfunctional because it's different in many migraine patients. And that's where it gets really confusing. <laughs> well, you know what? I mean, there's so many. The confusion, as you're saying, is there. But I understand that in your book, Mastering Migraine, you actually put, give all those different areas that uh, that can fill that bucket. Isn't that right? You call it the Dr. Harcourt's bucket theory. So um, is, is your book, Mastering Migraine, have all that information? It does. Um, yeah, we're in the final stages of putting it together, so it should be out here uh, shortly within the next maybe two or three months And because we're finishing up with all our, our artistry. Because a lot of stuff I talk about is kind of – it sounds confusing, but if you look at a picture of it, it's it's pretty – it's pretty easy to understand. And so that's what we're trying to do is give everybody a, a basic understanding of what's going on. So then, regardless of what you do as a, say, a doctor or as a patient, we can all go from the same place or the same understanding of migraine because it's really not well understood. Um, and it's been like that for a very, very long time. And so my goal is to at least get everybody on the same page. So whether you're an acupuncturist or a chiropractor or a medical doctor or a surgeon, we can all be looking at it as the same pathology and not just, you know, another headache. That's definitely not what it is. 
Right, right. Well, you know, uh, we're going to wait for, I'm definitely going to, you know, share your book with our people, but before they, uh, they, before it comes out, what website can they go to? Because I know that there's a website that you're going to talk about because that website is really geared towards people who've got migraines and even head injuries. Yeah, absolutely. And and there's a big emphasis on the migraine and the head injury. So the best place to go is our website, ixneuro.com. And that's ixneuro.com. And it has all the information about, you know, migraine, about head injury. And there's a lot of actually misdiagnosis between people that might have, say, a car accident and have a post-concussive or post-traumatic headache, and they get misdiagnosed as migraine. And then they're trying to figure out, well, why doesn't the migraine medication work or why, you know, hasn't this taken a normal course? Well, it's because it's not migraine. And you also get people that have migraine and have trauma or concussion, and then it gets worse. The migraine gets worse because of the trauma. So you have to address not only the the migraine portion, but also that post-concussive damage as well. And so we talk about all that in the book. Great, great. Uh, in my practice, when I'm, I work with headaches as a chiropractor and someone who works on allergies and environmental medicine issues, we get a lot of headaches. You know, that's just a symptom of a lot of the do, uh, deeper issues, root issues. And I find that with migraine and headaches, um, majority of them, I've got to address their mitochondria, their mitochondrial function and their ability to produce energy. Um, utilization of oxygen, using the right nutrients to get their their brain and their um, other areas of the body to make more um, energy ATP. Uh, when when it comes to yeah, the the reason why I got into um, working on mitochondria was actually my own head injury um, about eight years ago. I I had a severe compression injury from an open refrigerator door, I stood straight up into it from a squatted position and my head and neck became like a, literally an accordion, you know, and I had what it called, what was called an inflammatory um, concussion that choked the pituitary gland, the blood flow. So I had a pan hypopituitarism and I ended up having a failure in my thyroid, my adrenals and even my female organs. And at that moment I lost my period immediately and it was really crazy. But with all that being said, um, interestingly, headache was really not a big part, but a big part was fatigue. So migraine and fatigue are very closely related, is it not? You see those symptoms together. (laughs) Yeah, and what you're talking about with, you know, uh, female hormone issues and um, HPA access dysfunction, you know, I actually kind of accidentally stumbled upon that because I did some functional medicine training with some doctors uh, a while ago. And... I was finding a lot of crossover between like depression or anxiety or fatigue. And so every once in a while, I would run some labs on, on migraine patients. And I started seeing every migraine patient I got back that we addressed HPA access dysfunction. It was like the worst one I'd ever seen. And so I said, well, wait a minute. And now we're to a point where I test the sex hormones and stress hormones on just about every migraine patient because it's rare for me to see somebody that doesn't have dysfunction in that pathway at some way, in some way, shape, or form. And so if you fail to address that, like you said, and you don't have the energy to get through the day, it just raises your probability of having migraine, and it makes it more challenging to get people better. So that's absolutely something that we uh, address and uh, have to look at with every migraine case. Mm, great, great, great point. What uh, You mentioned, you know, there's a thing that you call the four factors of migraine. Can you go into that? Yeah, and I, I call them the modifiable factors because 
people always say, well, what about the weather? That influences. I say, well, I can't control the weather yet. So once I get there, you know, I'll <laughs> add it into my factors list. Um, but the, the four main factors of migraine are nutritional, hormonal, musculoskeletal, and neurological. And the neurological part is partially the genetic underpinning because, again, there's always these genetic uh, changes in migraine patients, but also any types of trauma because a lot of people will have, you know, fallen off their bike or hit their head or done something where they didn't think it was a big deal, but it causes abnormalities in eye movements or balance or posture or really basic functions that we're not necessarily aware of. But that extra stress on the system, again, raises your probability of migraine. So what we try to do is address all of those functional neurological issues uh, to make sure that the parts of the brain that are dysfunctional are able to be as stable as possible. So again, these people are less likely to have migraine. Now, the nutrition and the hormones kind of go together because a lot of your hormonal imbalances can be improved dramatically with dietary changes. So we try to make our base of hormonal protocols more dietary and then just tweak things as needed based on the lab testing. And then obviously the musculoskeletal portion goes to the fact that massage and acupuncture and chiropractic can all be really great for migraine. But again, they're all addressing uh, certain parts of migraine. And again, they don't cause it. They just raise your probability. So, you know, say somebody's got a crazy tight neck and has been in trauma and, you know, can't move very well. They might love their chiropractor for migraine. Whereas somebody that has, you know, pretty good movement, doesn't have a lot of joint dysfunction, and just eats really bad, well, they might love their nutritionist, right? Uh, and so we just look at all those things together, and that's where we find the biggest improvement going down what I call the migraine spectrum, which is where on one end of the migraine spectrum, you have people that have migraines all day, every day, and on the other end, you have people that have migraines every decade or so. And so by putting all those factors together and addressing them at the same time, we see people move down that spectrum much more quickly and a lot, lot further, essentially. Excellent. So let's dig a little bit in that nutrition because I think that's the one of the biggest factors that everyone can change themselves. It's easier Absolutely. for them to change themselves. The moment you know you wake up, you we want to eat, we want to put stuff in our, our mouth, and and it's and we do it you know two to three times, even sometimes even four to five times for some people. So what is it that we can control easily, and and can you give us the basics of um, maybe a, I don't know if you want to call it anti-migraine diet, but something that we can all do. Yeah. And there's a lot of things. And honestly, in my book, I talk about nutrition, but I don't go wildly deep into all the nitty gritty of it because there's a lot of books out there on nutrition and migraine, right? So there's a lot of things that I'm not going to be breaking new ground, but there are a couple of things that I'm very insistent about at this point, just because we've seen, you know, hundreds, if not over a thousand cases of migraine at this point. And there's certain things that are just going to screw you up, right? And so if I could, and I'm going to get a lot of people not enjoying this this uh, talk after this, but the <laughs> number one thing that you can do uh, today is stop drinking caffeine. Stop drinking caffeine. And this is confusing to some people because they say, wait a minute, it's in my excedrin migraine or it's in my abortive medication. This helps with my migraine. What are you talking about? Well, what caffeine does is it upregulates certain processes, specifically things like CSF flow and stuff like that. And so it's a drug. So if you take it all the time and then you stop taking it, you go through withdrawal. It raises your probability of migraine. And so what I tell people is if you're going to get off caffeine, have your last cup of coffee or caffeine or whatever on like a Thursday so that on Friday you'll feel okay. Saturday and Sunday, if you're going to have a withdrawal, you'll feel pretty rough and you can just sleep and rest and drink water. 
And that way, by t- Monday, Tuesday, you're feeling okay. Because most people go off of caffeine, get to the second or third day, have withdrawal headaches, feel terrible, and they're almost over the hump, and they go back on. They say, I can never get off of it. And I can tell you, after getting lots of people off of this, uh, everybody can do it. And very, very rarely is it not show a positive outcome. So that's the number one thing. Um, also, just generally avoid inflammatory foods, you know, gluten, dairy, um, alcohol, stuff like that. But, um, you know, those are the, the big ones that we always start with and are kind of our non-negotiables. Well, do you feel the same thing like tyramine form, you know, foods that have high tyramine in it? Uh, do you find that that's valuable? Stay away from those foods? Yeah, so- so that's, that's and, and like I said, this is why I don't get into the nitty gritty, because the reality is when you look at all these different uh, things, like, for example, the tyramines or the nightshades or the histamine reaction or all those types of things, for some people, it makes a big, big difference. And for some people, it really doesn't make a difference. And so when I uh, talk to people about the diet, we usually spend about you know 30 minutes just going over their kind of history and what they're sensitive to, what kind of foods you know may have shown a pattern. And so if you don't need to be all certain foods, I don't like to take you off of them. Right, because I don't want you to eat, you know, nothing all day. My goal is to reduce things that are necessary, but not everything. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. There's there's tons of different diets that have shown efficacy. Uh, if you're looking for just a super basic diet to follow, guideline wise, the one that's most researched so far in migraine and shown the most success is a ketogenic diet, which I I like a lot of it. There's certain things I don't like, but again, it's shown the best evidence so far. Really simple thing. You can just Google and you know follow a diet like that. Great. Thank you. Let's go ahead and uh, talk a little bit more about the hormones then. What can people do to help regulate their ho- hormones more optimally? Now, in my intro, I mentioned that women have three times more migraines, uh, a rate of migraines than men. So we are assuming then it has to do with female hormones. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. It unfortunately is three times more likely in, in women. And obviously, we think it's related to hormones, but uh, it's still kind of speculation. But you know that obviously makes the most sense. So with female hormones, we find that usually drops in estrogen are the most commonly you know, triggering or, or stressing. And so most of my patients you'll see get a flare-up about the beginning of their cycle. That's the most common. And you know when that happens, that's what we call a menstrually-related migraine, where you have migraines throughout the month, but then they flare up during your cycle. And then you can just have straight menstrual migraine, which means you never have them except during your cycle. And when that's going on, we know that there's a hormonal component. And that's where doing these comprehensive tests to look at you know, estrogen and testosterone and the metabolites and the organic acids and all this types of thing can make your prescription for supplements or uh, nutrition really, really specific. So that's why we do it that way. But as far as what can you do on your own, one of the best best things to regulate hormones is anti-inflammatory type diets, right? That's the first thing that you can do. And also regulating insulin sensitivity. So not only do you want to do anti-inflammatory diets, doing things to keep your blood sugar nice and steady, like avoiding tons of sugars or carbs or, you know, waiting a long time in between meals, things like that can really help to level out the hormones. And then when you do your testing, then you can say, okay, well, this is the only other thing that's out of whack. Whereas a lot of times I'll get labs back and there's so many things out of whack, but the one common thing they have is inflammation, right? And as soon as you do the diet, they're in great shape. So uh, best thing you can do is, is healthy diet. Blood sugar regulation is a really, really big one with that. 
Got it. Got it. So, you know, as a chiropractic a physician, how do you help regulate hormones besides from food shifting in the food? Yeah. So there's a lot you can do with supplements and things like bioidentical hormones that are all able to influence these pathways. So the cool thing about some of the testing we use is you can look at the enzymatic processes that take, say, your androgens and make estrogens or things that break down your estrogens into metabolites. And you can just give supplements that have been shown to up or down regulate those pathways. So a lot of times I'll find that, you know, somebody said, well, I heard about this supplement that's good for estrogen or for testosterone. And we find out, well, that actually has a really specific action. And based on your lab testing, you're actually making the problem you had worse by upregulating that pathway. So it's not that it is a bad, you know, thing to do. It's just in your case, it's the wrong thing to do. And that's why we like to test and, and make sure that people are going in the right direction. So, you know, if you do try something that you think should help, say you tried some nettles or something and you get worse, we'll just understand that's probably pushing you in the wrong direction. So mm. uh, really, really important to remember that. Right. In my practice, I use the Dutch test a lot. This is a urine They're test. wonderful. Oh, oh good. I'm glad to hear that you use it. them too. Do you do the full 30-day? Because I, I recommend that quite a bit. Yeah. So if when I... I'm dealing with female hormone issues. Absolutely. Now for migraine, I don't run it as often because I find that I get most of my information on the Dutch plus plus with the cortical awakening response. But I have had some patients where, yeah, absolutely run the, the month long and it gives you a lot more information. So if you're dealing with you know, obviously infertility or uh, female hormone issues or uh, you know PMDD or things like that, then, then we'll run it. Absolutely. You mentioned, you mentioned about the cortical waking. So what do you usually see in the hormonal shift for someone who is a migraine patient? So the most common thing that we see is a depression of cortisol output throughout the whole day with a diminishment of DHEA output. It's really, really common. And what you'll see, and the reason I like Dutch, is because they look at both cortisone and cortisol. So you can figure out, is that depression actually due to a downregulation of the HPA axis? Or is it just because your cortisone isn't converting into cortisol? And then you give different stuff for that, uh, which I really like. And But that was the pattern I saw when I ran even more basic labs, is you mm. would just see this massive depression in cortisol output throughout the day. And so we used to think that when you just look at those different points, that you know that rhythm of cortisol is, is you know the best way to assess. But the research is now showing that that cortical awakening response, you know those multiple samples uh, in the morning, 30 minutes later, and 30 minutes later, is the best overall assessment of HPA access dysfunction. So if you see that that's off, poof, you know you have to go after um, that whole HPA access and try to level things out. Mm, great, great. You know, uh, you also said uh, the third and the fourth factor, one is the musculoskeletal, and a lot of us know, you know, getting massage and stretching and meditation. Uh, the last question I want to ask is regarding the biofeedback for the neural section. Uh, do biofeedback works for migraine? Control. Yeah, it can. Absolutely. I, I typically refer to biofeedback or specifically neurofeedback when my migraine patients have a good amount of anxiety because it works really, really well with anxiety and anxiety tends to be a confounding factor with, with migraine treatment. And so we don't use it in our office, but I'm a big fan. And I, again, I don't prescribe it for everybody, but specifically if they have anxiety and depression, I think it's a really, really helpful uh, addition to migraine treatment. Oh. 
What a great interview. I love, love all the things that you've talked about. We can definitely talk more. I'd love to have you come back and talk about concussion one day. If that's good with you, Dr. Harcourt, thank you so much. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for, so much for having me. I really enjoyed it today. Thank you. So the, the, you know, you want more information, go to ixneuro.com. That's a wonderful, wonderful website. So much information, great value on migraines and concussions, ixneuro.com. That's Dr. Uh, Dr. Hartcourt's website. And if you want to learn more from him, I'm sure you're going to be able to, you can get, and if you have migraines, you can become a patient of his and uh, you can follow up with that on his, on the ixneuro.com. If this is your first time listening, make sure you subscribe so that we can serve you much better in all the natural health information that we give out. And of course, connect with me on Instagram at Dr. Suzanne. And then if, if you need to dig deeper into your health issues, I work with people all around the world and uh, you can get my contact info at drsuzanne.com website. Until next time, go out there and live your best life today, full of energy, enthusiasm, and ultimate health and wellness. This is Dr. Suzanne sharing natural strategies on the Wellness for Life show right here on Radio MD. Stay well.